looking at this book. It's called My Descent into Death, A Second Chance at Life by Howard Storm. And we just talked about how when um, this is a near-death experience, Howard Storm, he was an atheist. He died in um, or had a near-death experience where he went to heaven. Um, he did, um, at the beginning, start to descend into what we would call hell, where he was being tormented. He cried out to Jesus, and Jesus saved him. A light came and took him into heaven. At first, he did not feel worthy to be in heaven. Jesus and the angels went over his life with him and showed him that it is God's love that makes him worthy, not his works. And he received Jesus while he was in this place in heaven. Um, and then afterwards, we started talking here a little bit about um, a discussion related to the past and the future because he was asking the angels about war and where war comes from. The angels were talking to him and telling him that God hates war and that he's been trying for thousands of years to get us to stop killing each other to resolve our differences and that there are better ways. So as we are growing, and, and you can see this um, throughout you know, the scripture, as we are growing in the light and we're growing in our knowledge of God, we realize that, that we do not need to dominate each other, um, but that we can love each other and that we can mutually come to beneficial decisions. Um, so that is, uh, that is the way that you do it. Uh, that is uh, what we call a heavenly system, um, where in heaven, as you can imagine, there are quite a few people there, um, and they come from all over. And not only that, there are also beings from other places that we don't even know about. Um, so that can be pretty different. And how does it all work? Well, because we all come under the same banner. The banner is the banner of God's love. So God's love is the banner over us. And by his love, we are able to work out differences in a loving way where everyone can still be different, but we don't feel like we have to dominate each other and control each other and make everyone do what we want them to do, because that is actually a fallen mindset. And so we see, and these angels told him that World War I and II were not necessary. We just read this. Um, they were not necessary, but because men wanted them so bad and enough men wanted them, the Lord allowed them to happen. And every time we have a war, any time men suffer, God suffers with them. He can feel what you feel. And this is true. And he, he doesn't like that. He doesn't like it when we suffer. He wants us to be free. He doesn't want us to be bound up with suffering and agony and despair. He wants us to know his love and know that he has brought us out of a place of suffering and brought us into a place of rest and into a place of healing and into a place of life. So this was a really good little message when he, when Howard Storm, who had, is experiencing this near-death experience, he's coming into heaven and he's being taught by Jesus and the disciples. Now you have to understand, this guy is an atheist. He didn't ever read his Bible. He doesn't know any of this. He just wrote down everything that they told him. Now you'll find out as you read the book later on, when he comes back, because he does come back into his body, obviously, because he wrote this book, he comes back into his body and he started to read the Bible. And when he's reading the Bible, he is absolutely ecstatic because he's like, this is what they told me when I was there. He didn't know what the scriptures were. So obviously, as you could probably tell, later on in his life, he became a minister, uh, went to a seminary and so on, and learned what the scripture said because he had gone into heaven and they had told them all these things. Now, this isn't the end of his experiences either. Um, as you read this book, you'll find that he has many encounters with angels and different beings as he's living his life here on the earth, even though his heart is still very much at his home in heaven, which is where we're all from. Okay, so it's a very good, very interesting book. Um, I highly recommend you pick it up. It's called My Descent into Death, A Second Chance at Life by Howard Storm. 
Um, so there's some very cool stuff in here. And today I just wanted to look at something in this book very specifically that I thought was very interesting and maybe a little controversial for some. And you know what? Here's what I say about that. You know what? If it's controversial and it's not something you're comfortable with, we'll put it on the shelf for now. But I feel like it's good to present it to you anyway, um, because as you're growing in the Lord, you may reconsider some of this later on and say, you know, I think this is, uh, I think this is actually pretty, uh, pretty interesting, you know? So here's where, and, and there's in this here, he, he has a lot of discussions, um, with them. Um, you know, like some of the things he says here is, um, our perspective on life is wrong, they told him. We think this life in the world is important. It is only important as preparation for our eternal life. The only importance of this life is the choice we make to love God or not. When we die, our souls leave this world and move into a different dimension or a new reality. What we have chosen determines whether that will be a reality of bliss or torment. Everything we do in life is a result of the choice we have made. We are either moving toward God or away from God. There is nothing in between. You cannot be neutral about God. To be indecisive about God is opposition to God. The creator of the universe, supreme being, highest Lord, is not something one can ignore. Okay, so this is pretty much a given. I think most people know this in their heart. They're either moving towards him or they're moving away from him. And so when we feel love toward another person, we know it. When we don't feel love for another person, we know it. The opposite of love is indifference. The opposite of the love of God is indifference to God. This is pure hate. To reject God so completely as to be indifferent is the most opposed to God we can be. And this is kind of, he's describing this because this is the way he was, you know, he, and he thought people were just, you know, oh, that's just a crutch you made up so you can deal with. But when he went into heaven and he, I mean, everything became real to him. He realized that he was, he was wrong and he felt really bad about it at the beginning because he's like, man, I really, because he, because one of the things he says in this book, he felt really bad about was the fact that he used to blaspheme and, and, and uh, use God's name all the time. And it made him, it hurt him so much. And, and Jesus just told him, he said, I forgive you. I forgive you. And he realized that he was accepted, not because of his behavior, but because of God's love. So it was so good. And anyway, this was, this was all really good. And I am in the process here of finding my um, place uh, in this book. And I know it's in here and I thought I had it and I keep forgetting it. Um, but one of the things that's kind of interesting is, um, One of the things that's really interesting is, you know, he has a whole chapter on what happens when we die, you know, how the angels come and, and get us and you meet people and things like that. Um, he also talks a lot, too, about the fact that, you know, they have this big emphasis on when people die and they have an experience. But he said people have life, ex life heaven experiences all the time, too, you know, because I think there's a big emphasis. This is something I always felt was important for people to understand is that when you experience heaven, that doesn't mean you're dying. Um, death is not your door into heaven, right? But a lot of people write about their experiences in heaven with an NDE because most people are not aware of how close heaven is. But there are others who are, and these are the mystics. These are the ones like you, when we read uh, Jean Guyon and some of them, they are very aware of the heavenly realm because they're experiencing it in quiet prayer. You know, people experience heaven and go into heaven during worship in church. When you're in worship in church and you're caught up in the spirit, you many times are worshiping in heaven with angels, with the cloud of witnesses, different ones are there with you. Um, and when this guy, first, he had never, you know, he had never gone to church. Um, and he finally got to a church. He asked God to help him find a church. When he first walked into the church, 
he looked up at the ceiling and all he saw were angels worshiping with them. It so overwhelmed him, he started to cry profusely and fall and fell on the ground because he was caught up in the spirit immediately. And his wife was absolutely mortified because this is their first experience in the church. And here he is on the floor. He said, it wasn't a Pentecostal church. <laughs> and he, but he had seen him and he goes, and this is what he said. He goes, well, he goes, I always see the angels. He goes, but I just am, have learned to kind of try to hold, you know, pull it back a little bit because it made people uncomfortable when he was so caught because he got caught up with what we call an ecstasy in the spirit. Um, that was his first experience walking into a church. So, you know, but these, this, so again, like I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is that, you know, it's a life experience. You know, there are people that interact with angels. You know, we talk about this a lot. You know, I have, you know, a lot of us are having these experiences a lot with, with angels, with the, with the spirit of wisdom, Um, it's a, it's a process sometimes for some, especially if you grew up in church, it's a process. Sometimes, um, the church teaches you to keep your eyes shut, uh, in the spirit that only certain individuals have their eyes open. The ones that are at the front, they can see, you could see maybe, but probably not unless you go to Bible school or whatever. They just think, you think this, it may not be said, but you think this, but in reality, we're all spirit beings. We all have uh, unlimited capacity to see and to experience heaven and to experience the things of God. And that's the truth. And you may not hear that everywhere. Oh, you're not, you know, you're a new Christian, blah, blah, blah. There's no such thing. Everyone's a new Christian <laughs> because we're new in him, right? So everyone's a new Christian. Um, we're all discovering who God made us to be. And it's not a work as much as it is just a thing that you enjoy. You know, what do you enjoy? Well, I enjoy heaven. Why do you enjoy heaven? Well, I've been there and it's amazing. And I would love to just like enjoy it as much as I can. But I also enjoy the earth too, because there's a glory on everything. And there's a reason that we're all here, right? So we're growing and we're learning. And, and this is the place where you do it. So you don't want to cut that short. You know, you want to keep that going and then following the plan and the path of God. So anyway, he talked about war. He talked about the past and the future. Um, he, he went over his life with him. He went over a review of him. Um, he told him that he was, you know, not worthy. Um, and then there is a spot in here. And I'm going to find it here. And I'm going to have to do a search because I read it, but I don't know where it is. So bear with me one moment. Oops, not that. Okay, this is it. Um, so, so he's okay. So this is in the conversation where they're talking about world war, and he's saying, "There's," he said, um, he said to them, he said, uh, "There will be no more world wars." The angels have said this to him. I also believe that this is true. Um, we're not going to have another world war. It's never going to happen again. They've talked about it all the time because that's a threat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? World leaders use World War III as a threat. You know, so you're going to hear about it from people who are trying to control you. But I do not believe we will, we will ever have another world war. That was that was it. That's over. Um, but this is what he's. This is what they said to him. And I agree. I mean, just from my experience and what I sense in my heart from the Lord is that this was not going to ever happen again. As a matter of fact, we're moving away from war. Um, we're going to have less and less wars. Um, you know, we're yes. They got a couple little zingers in there over the past couple of years. I get it. I understand. Um, but we actually had a period of time, and I do believe the United States will lead the way in this. 
Um, they will lead the way in, in a warless world um, where we will never have a war again. And uh, we will learn. We will, we will, right, but we will never have a war where you're killing people ever again. We will learn to resolve differences and not dominate each other. Um, and that is a very important aspect. And, and, you know, we can learn that in our families too. You know, it starts at the family level. You know, you want your kids to do a certain thing, so you make them afraid. Well, don't make them afraid. Teach them and train them and lead them on what to do. You know, your brother or your sister's doing something you don't like. Hey, I don't like that because this makes me feel this way. Communicate with them in a way that they can understand and make a connection with the people in your family so that they understand how you feel and then they can tell you how they feel and you can listen to them and you're making a connection. This is a heavenly attribute, guys. This is not psychology. This is how it works. You don't just go around and dominate people. In heaven, if you've ever been there, they don't do that in heaven. They don't dominate you. Sometimes people do have kind of little hissy fits like they do here and they don't want to do a certain thing, but we just love them and we just minister to them and eventually they, they switch over. And they're like, yeah, okay, I'm good. You know what I'm saying? And that's how you do it. So it's love that builds and love that, because the other word in the Aramaic for love is to nurture. If you nurture a thing, it grows. You know, they do an experiment where they have two plants, right? One plant, you say wonderful things over. You're a wonderful plant. You're going to grow beautiful and all this. And the other plant, you talk bad at. You're a terrible plant. You're going to, and you curse one plant and you bless another plant. And you know what they find out? Almost every single time, the one you bless flourishes and the one you curse dies. And anyone can do this. Like you, it's not even like a prayer or a Christian thing or anything like that. Anyone can do this. And, and why is that? Because our words and what we're doing are either nurturing or destroying other people. And so we don't need to destroy people to make ourselves look good. We can all look good. God makes us all look good. In God, everybody is amazing, amazing. As much as you work on yourself, you cannot work on yourself and be as amazing as God makes you. He makes you more amazing than you could possibly imagine because you're created just like him. You're just like your dad. And your dad is God. And we're all like that. All of our dads, all of our dad is God. We have the same dad. So the more that we embrace that, and love that, regardless of what's going on around us, regardless of if anybody else is picking up on this, the more that we embrace that, the more like him we become. And that is our ultimate position. So this is what they said. He said to them, Howard Storm, I said, there are 40,000 nuclear weapons aimed and ready to be launched any minute. Someone somewhere is going to press the button and there will be a nuclear war. This is in 1985, mind you, because this is how people thought 1985. We kind of don't think that right now, even though the same weapons are there. But they said, no, that is not going to happen. God will not allow a nuclear war. And then I said, will God reach down and grab the missiles to stop them from exploding? No, God is going to end the Cold War. This is when they told him this. This again, 1985. God loves every creature and God will not let the world be destroyed by people. How's God going to do that? God is changing the hearts of people to love around the world. The Cold War won't end for a hundred years, I insisted. The Cold War will end in a couple of years. I was skeptical. What will come next? This is what they said. The world is at the beginning of a major transformation. It will be a spiritual revolution that will affect every person in the world. I asked what the world will be like when this change takes place. And this is what I wanted to read to you guys. We were in a beautiful, natural, wooded setting. There was no evidence of human intrusion or man-made devices. 
They told me that this was the future and that we were in a garden that people tended. People came by and talked with one another. They were dressed simply and wore exotic ornaments. They resembled Native Americans in their dress. I asked what they did. Everyone spent the majority of their time with the children, teaching them about love and the wonders of the natural world. They didn't make any distinction between work and play. They all participated in child-rearing and teaching as the most important activity of their lives. People raised food. Okay, this part may be a little difficult to get to, get to but I'm just going to read it. Okay, take it for what it is, right? I just think it's very interesting. People raised food by sitting next to plants and communing with them. In a few minutes, they could harvest a mature fruit and vegetable. They ate what they grew immediately without cooking. The clothing was all made of finely woven fibers. There was very little metal except in the ornaments. I asked, is this paradise? They laughed and said, no, only compared to the world you live in. In this future world, people will have sickness, but the treatment for disease will always be successful. People will gather around the person in need of help, and through prayer, touch, and meditation, the disease will be cured. People will grow only enough food for their needs. Collectively, all the people of the world will control the weather. The climate will be regulated by the collective will of, man, of humankind. The plants will be loved and raised by individual people. All animals will live in harmony with people. There will be countless small communities of people all over the world, and each will have its own identity and culture. There will be many different languages, but all people will be able to communicate telepathically. Now listen, I know that this sounds really weird, and I know it sounds like super new age, but it's not. And I will tell you, and I will tell you, you're just going to have to get that whole new age thing out of your head because it's really not that. That new age, I'm just let me just explain a little bit about what the new age is, okay? The new age was invented in the 1960s, what we call the new age movement. It's a bunch of capitalist people that decided that they would take all of the religions of the world, find all the things that they like the most about them, package them together into something called the new age, make it sound scientific, and sell it. That is what the new age is. But all of the practices and the things that you find in the new age are all ancient practices. They just rebranded and relabeled it. Praying quietly, meditating is in the scripture. They always meditated, okay? Being able to communicate without words has always been available to every person. The new age did not invent that. The new age just repackaged it and sold it to people. That's all that they did, okay? So you just gotta remember that whenever you hear that's new age. Yes, we, now, what's the one thing about the New Age that's not good, the New Age movement, is that they do not acknowledge Jesus, and that means that they, they really don't acknowledge reality. You know, so they acknowledge the things that they like and the things that they don't like, which is repent of your sins and come to know Jesus. They didn't like that part, so they left that part out. But the other practices that are in there, such as the word telepathic, which actually just means to communicate without words, which Jesus did, and you can see that in the Gospels, and you can also see that in the, in the um, letters of the apostles, and you can even see it in the Old Testament. Obviously, there is an ability to communicate without words. So I'm just saying that because I... I want you to keep listening as I'm reading without shutting me completely down just yet. <laughs> okay. Um, so <laughs> I know I, I, I'm taking a chance here reading this, but anyway, there will be no technology because there will be no need for devices since humans will have the power to control matter and energy. And I, and I agree with this. I do believe that what we're dealing with right now with technology is a lower form of what we will be using in the future. 
Um, we won't need tablets and, and phones and things like that. They're actually just kind of a shadow of what we have. Um, and how do I know this? Well, because I've seen glimpses of it personally. Um, I've seen our ability to be able to communicate across long distances without any need of technology where we hold things in our heart and we're aware of what's happening. I mean, I love Zoom. I love all of these other things that we have, but they really are just a shadow of what we are going to have. Okay, so this is the future. Okay, so this is why I want to tell you guys this. Um, people will stay within their communities unless they want to experience life in a culture <clears throat> that has different music or vegetation or scientific investigation. Everybody was a student of nature, which they knew intimately and with which they could communicate, knowing the sensations and vibration of every part of creation. People explored outer space without moving an inch. People communicated telepathically with everyone on earth and had relationships with intelligent beings on other worlds. Okay, just, it is what it is. It's what they're saying, okay? I know this is a lot. All right, there was no space travel because there was no need. People stayed put and shared life experiences across galaxies. People valued the life experience they had been given in this world because they knew it was a precious gift from God. There were no possessions. People sought the welfare. Now, the way I say there were no possessions to me, this is how I translate there are no possessions. The things that you do have are given to you and you, you don't possess them. You know what I'm saying? To possess a thing means it's mine. You know, everything flows freely from you. That doesn't mean you don't have anything. It means it doesn't possess you. Okay, that's how, that's how I read things like that because you do obviously have something. <laughs> you have something, right? Right, because it's not like, it's not like um, communism. You know what I'm saying, obviously. Um, but, but to say you have no possessions means that because of the way that you operate within the kingdom of heaven, everything is, is given to you. So everything can flow through you. In other words, here's a gold bar, there's a gold bar. Here's a silver bar, there it goes. You know, it just keeps, it moves. Because the thing is, is, is the use of it, not as much to gather it to yourself, especially, that doesn't make any sense. Honestly, when, you, when, you're, when you're in a heavenly place, you realize that that concept makes no sense. It just makes no sense. To gather things unto yourself makes no sense. Because everything comes from above. So all the good and perfect things come from above. So you don't have to go grab and gather and dominate and control and build. The thing just flows because it comes from above. If it came from you, separated from God, well, yeah, that's what you'd have to do. You'd have to be super tough and dominate everyone, which is what we see on the world because their mindset has been separated. In their mind, they're separated. So they go and they build things up. Okay. Let me try to get through this. I'm almost there. I know we have six minutes. Okay. People value the life experience they've been given. Okay, people sought the welfare of their community in its spiritual health and growth. When someone was troubled, the community focused its attention on that individual. Occasionally an individual, and I, I actually saw this, by the way, too. Occasionally an individual would become a recluse for as much time as needed. When a person was satisfied that he had all the life experience he needed, the community gathered together around him. They had a celebration while such a person lay down and his spirit moved to heaven. This was the cause of great rejoicing. People were born, grew, learned, and died. They lived to love God, love one another, and love themselves. Now, obviously, if you're listening to this, um, you won't see this in the body, but you will see it in the heavens of how it happens on the earth. So you're knowing about it now, which is very cool, um, but you may not. You might. You might. <laughs> you could see it in the body, um, but a lot of people may not. They may be seeing this. When this starts to happen, they'll be seeing it from heaven. I was amazed because I thought the future world would look like the science fiction I had been raised on. The future that I was being shown was completely different from what I expected. 
people lived in extreme simplicity and harmony. There were there was no want. Everyone was happy and there was no conflict. I asked, when will this come about? They said, in 200 years. I contradicted them. Not in 200,000 years. People are not ready for this. They answered, this is the future that God wants for humanity and it will happen. This is the world God has created for us to live in. This is the way God created human beings to live. How will it happen, I asked. They answered, God is changing the world now. God wants worldwide conversion. God is going to awaken every person to be the person he or she was created to be. Those who accept God's will will flourish, and those who deny God's love shall perish. Okay? So, and then he talks about some other things after that. But it's very interesting to see, and I just wanted to share that just a little bit, okay? He doesn't get into any more than that about the future, but I think that's a very interesting thing that we do have, because we tr we tend to kind of separate the spirit as kind of like um, the spiritual realm is something that you can use later. In heaven, you can use the spiritual things. But we don't actually think about being in the spirit and the earth. And again, these are the future of the earth where people are born on the earth, right? So we know, you know, when you're born, this is your kind of um, entry point. <laughs> your entry point as a human being comes from the earth. Now, we do know that there are other planets and there are, are other types of dimensions and beings in other places, and we don't know the rules there, but we will. If that's something that you're interested in, and you will know what laws and things God created. But for us, as human beings created in the likeness and image of God, which we are created in his likeness and image, this is where things start right here. So the starting point um, is going to be different than it was. And again, how is this all possible? And as you read this book, you realize everything is possible through Yeshua, Jesus. Jesus is the one that brought us into this life of revelation, awakening to who we are in Christ. Not a higher consciousness, okay? We're awake to our life in Christ. And I know sometimes they conflate words together. They use words from other religions and things like that. I understand that. And maybe for those groups, that might be good for them to help them grasp it. For him, he was an atheist. These are words that were used for an atheist. If they used Christian words, he may not have understood what they meant. But we can see as Christians what God is bringing us into is life. And life abundantly, Jesus said. I have come to give you life, he said, and life more abundantly. He didn't say I've come to give you wars until you dominate the devil. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning. You people are all excited about devil this and devil that. He goes, I saw him fall like lightning. Listen, this battle is over. I've come to give you life. Live in my life. Live in my, the fullness of what God has given us. So this is the message he's saying. Again, I know that sometimes these, these teachers and different ones, they use different words, but listen to the message of what he's saying. D get rid of this and say, what is happening here? What, what is happening is, is that we're coming into an age, a time, okay? A time in, in the world that God has ordained where people are beginning to awaken. Now, and I will tell you personally, one of the one of the only reasons that I am the way I am right now is because of these experiences that I have had in the heavenlies with Yeshua, just like him. Now, I didn't die. You know, like I said, it's not an NDE. You know, I had a life experience, a spirit, an experience in the in the and I have continual ones now. Right. Experiences in the heavens where Jesus is instructing me, the spirit of wisdom is instructing me and I'm learning about things and how it actually works in heaven. It's it's a thing. And I believe, and the reason that I am teaching it and stepping out and just actually saying it, which again, you know, this isn't exactly a popular message with some people, 
I'm saying it because I believe more and more people this is going to happen to, and there's going to be no way to stop it because it was not a person that said it. It's, it's, it's God himself. He's the one that's waking people up and they're going to wake up to certain things like, why are you operating your ministry out of anger? That is not the spirit of the Lord. That is the spirit of anger. And you need to stop that. And people are starting to wake up and they're realizing when they meet Jesus, they're like, oh, oh, Jesus isn't like that at all. And so then that changes them. And now the love of God begins to well up within them because, listen, we all have experienced God's love. We have. If you've met Jesus, you've experienced God's love. I'm not saying that Christians haven't experienced the love. Of course, of course we have. But we've mixed some stuff in that isn't us. And so as we are changing and as we are growing in him and as we are loving people and experiencing him. What about sin, Jamin? People can't sin. Well, of course, sin is not you. Just leave it behind. Well, what if someone does sin? Love them. What did we just hear? When somebody is, has a fault, love them. Don't condemn them. Don't, if somebody messes up in a way, just say, hey, God loves you. Well, I want to keep doing it. You need to stop. You need to stop doing it. It's hurting you. You know, you need to stop. But we love you. You know what I'm saying? And, and the, we don't want people to do things that hurt them or hurt other people. And we shouldn't be hurting other people, but loving people. Now, that means making a strong stance against things that hurt you, such as lying, cheating, stealing, doing all this kind of stuff. It's not good. It's hurtful. And it's not you. It's not you. Right? So God's love covers us, cleanses us, and sets us up to be just like him. Okay? So we're going to see some things. I, lo I love this book. is pretty life-changing if you read it. I encourage you to take a look at it. You know, and again, if you're look at reading it and you're like, I don't know about that. Well, okay, you don't know about that. That's fine. It's his experience, you know, but it definitely changed him. <laughs> and and anyone who has had these kind of experiences will find um, that there's definitely some similarities in our on our experiences, you know. And and in this book too, he he says at the end. So when you read it, so you know. Um, he said when he first shared it, because again, this happened in '85. He wrote this book in 2005, 30 years later, you know. Yeah, because he wasn't sure, because he said when he used to share it, sometimes he would share it with different groups. And he said he would um, he would make it really um, vague, so that, like some of the words, so that he wouldn't offend any of the groups he was with. So he, the, you know, he felt the Lord wanted to just, just say exactly what I said. Don't add anything to it, just say it exactly like I said it. Which is actually is the way that you do it. If God tells you something, just say it exactly how he said it interpretation or whatever, that's a separate situation. If you think you know an interpretation, say, this is what I think. But if God says a thing, just write it down exactly like he said, and um, his word will go forth. Because, you know, when you're talking to Jesus, he is the word of God. So, you know, when you get a word from God and you know it's from Jesus, write that thing down. It's important to you. You know, continue in my word, Jesus said. Didn't he say that? Continue in my word. Yeah. Doesn't just mean read your Bible. It means if God gives you a word, continue in it and don't leave it. Right. Stay with his word. Okay, so. All right, guys. I guess that'll be it for today. Have a spectacular week. And we will talk to you later.